Hi, I am Puneet Khurana. Me and my very good friends Manish Dhawan and Nuresh Mirani brings you Stoic Talks Season 2. We started Stoic Talks as an initiative to bring practical and implementable investing wisdom from some of the best minds in the business without getting selective or biased on the investment style or philosophy they follow. The idea was to learn various viewpoints, choose the nuggets that make sense and develop or enhance one's own investment style. Let's tune in and listen and learn with Stoic Talks. This particular episode of Stoic Talks has been recorded in collaboration with DSP Mutual Fund. With that, now let's welcome the guest for today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this new episode of Stoic Talks. This podcast is presented to you in collaboration with DSP Mutual Fund. Our guest today is Gaurav Sooth. For those of you who have been following us from earlier would know that we started our first series with Gaurav himself. We have come a full circle. Well, Gaurav is a very versatile individual, one of very rare who have excelled in two totally different fields altogether, value investing and options trading. Now, in our last interview, we extensively covered his value invest- investing journey. In this one, we will try and dig deeper into his options book listen in all right welcome gorov welcome siddharth uh, great to have you both here uh, again gorov thanks for having us <laughs> we i think if we are not wrong we did first recording in 2016 yeah in it delhi i think it was it delhi if i'm not wrong yeah ID Delhi. ID Delhi or IHC, I think it was IIT no, Delhi. I think and, I, I had an office there where I used to work and yeah, yeah, okay, I, now yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In I'm fact, sorry. we've come a full circle. For those of you who don't know, uh, we started our podcast series with Gaurav Sooth. Ah, acha, Gaurav was first. Yes. Ah, okay, great. And now we are again in, uh, restarting it with our, our first video uh, yeah. podcast now with yeah. Gaurav Sooth. Yeah. So, uh, Gaurav, what we'll do is since a lot of your journey has been captured. you know in a couple of places where you have given long form uh, interviews we will probably do uh, let's call it you know sequel to that previous podcast sure. where we finished the first podcast discussing your journey throughout your initial years uh, your first couple of multiple hundred baggers multi baggers and your at, at that time you were dwell, dwelling into options and risk for 3 4 years and now from that time i think 2016 onward it's been 6 odd years uh, i'm sure you have evolved in that space also so what we'll do is we'll take and sadath you have been with him from 2016 if i'm not yeah, wrong yes, right. so, yeah that's correct so so both of you are doing this together so i think uh, it will be a great uh, input from both of you right so what we'll do is let's now start from current situation currently you are managing your own portfolios right you are not yeah, managing yeah, any absolutely. outside capital okay so when you're managing your own portfolio how does your portfolio top down start from asset allocation perspective so uh, just to give in context to 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 where the earlier conversation ended and what uh, at that point of time there was a lot of focus on my part on special situations and those portfolios were doing uh, pretty well in terms of the percentage returns so 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 the binding thesis there was a one particular transaction or a trade may not may lose money but overall on a yearly basis the returns were pretty decent now what happened uh, started happening from 2015 16 onwards uh, this entire set of trades started becoming popular as a category uh, 
and many people delved into it and just the sheer number of people coming it the brokers popular uh, making those uh, schemes popular among uh, like like the tender buybacks yeah. became a retail product being popularized by brokers themselves mm. and because of that uh, uh, <coughs> what happened was that the returns started going down and also the frequency of those transactions started going down another ph phenomena that started playing out from 2016 was uh, uh, in open offers typically you make money if the the market price is below the open offer price yeah. but what started happening was because of the bullish sentiments the uh, market price would overshoot the open offer prices then the arbitrage angle just went away then it it was a bet uh, <coughs> in terms of what the company would do under the new owners so and that was not an angle that i was playing for so so my ability to participate in a lot of those things went down and is that still the case uh, that is still the case uh, yeah. uh, i i think uh, there's a different set of people who are now playing those uh, strategies in a different way they feel that the open offer price now is the support yeah uh, it it kind of forms <laughs> okay. the bottom of their long bet on that stock Yeah, so, it's a, so it's a management change theme that they're playing. So it's 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 a different way of uh, looking at things, which I never really participated from. And, and this phenomena is for uh, across all the strategies: open offer, See, buybacks, rights issues. I think. So so a, on buybacks, uh, as I said, it became a very popular product, uh, and so so the returns obviously went down. Even on rights issue, what happened is post-pandemic. Uh, earlier, what used to happen: a lot of uh, retail guys did not participate in rights issue. purely out of uh, lethargy uh, ignorance where lack of awareness so so sure. but what happened is uh, after covid the rights entitlement itself started trading on the stock exchange right mm. yeah. so so that if somebody who was run planning to do uh, participate in the rights which simply sell his entitlement into the market correct so so what that ensured was that the participation levels went up pretty high so the extra allotment that we used to get in rights issue just went away so so the rights issue as 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 a special situation itself uh, the the returns went down dramatically just to close this uh, uh the reason so the reason is popularity reducing your Uh, you know the allotment which you used to get in all the cases, so and also the price movement happened much faster. Over allotment, so so you yeah. play for right over uh, where yes, the right. uh, basically the the advantage is that uh, what your allotment you can get, you apply for more, and the over allotment that you get is what determines the returns from those shares because typically a rights issue comes at a discount to the market price, sure. so that's where the arbitrage leave. so that went down and because of that the returns uh, uh, simply were minuscule so so i played many ones but i just realized it's not worth now spending so much time on so is it uh, part of your day to day tracking at all now or is it so my tracking close day to day tracking i used to have elaborate trackers on all the special session they definitely have gone down okay. so as an effort uh, So Siddharth has also been participating along with me. Siddharth, what your experience has I been? I think it's very similar. So basically, the uh, it is difficult to gainfully deploy capital for extended period time in special situations because uh, a lot of these uh, special situations are not that lucrative anymore. And uh, so the risk element today is higher. So for instance, the uh, delisting or open offers. so the today the price is already above the open offer so you are playing for much higher returns mm. but the risk is higher it's not a risk arbitrage anymore so sure. it is a different kind of trade 
Sure. So, I mean, it could be a long. It's a different trade rather than a special situation. So we started to because our focus was different when we were we were doing doing these trades. Hmm. So we started exploring what other opportunities are available for income generations rather than special situations. So this is very insightful. So what you essentially saying is that the rights, the alpha in the rights issue, basically vanished because now there the concept of brain dead investors, the non participants, has gone away because now they can sell it in the Correct. open market. Absolutely. So so even if the guy is uh, lethargic or brain dead, as you point out, uh, the broker will. Uh, uh, send out a mail saying that participate or the dealer from the broker will call key entitlement. There is a nudge from the depository saying that these will be worthless tomorrow. Right. Act on these. Right. So all these nudges have made people participate. You know the same people who used to call in 2015 asking ki yaare stock kaise lena hai. Now they call and say ki yaar is rights issue mein kaise apply karna hai. Yeah, exactly. So, so the questions have, as you're rightly saying, and they get this information primarily from their brokers only, yeah. who keep on telling them that you should do this, you should do that, and they call. So yeah, uh, with the evolution yeah. of social media and the, 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 the information arbitrage, if we can call it that, because some people just didn't know what needs to be done. Now, right. now just one search on Google, everything is elaborated, and people realize that if there's money on the table, why should you leave it? Yeah, so, I, I, in fact, on this topic, this is, this is interesting. You know, this nudge thing is taking a lot of alpha, uh, elsewhere as well. I remember there was a time when the demerger thing was not publicized and you were able to sell the demerged entity a day before and you can pretty much get the, the yeah, yeah. pick for free. I, 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 I remember I, I got Majesco for free. Mm. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made so much money in the Dani mm. demerger. Those four companies were demerging and some people did not adjust for that and that day uh, it traded so high. So so in the first five minutes, if a anybody was aware about that, would have minted money. But because it was such a big uh, merger and so many uh, demerger and so many people lost money, SEBI then then uh, got into its act and said that whenever the demerger... That was the trigger, I think. Yes. yes. So, so the Adani was the trigger and then they said that the, the first hour will be book building. So yeah. that randomly people don't... Uh, similarly, and now the book building happens just like an IPO. So that opportunity also uh, went, went away. away. So, so again, the market is becoming more efficient. That's how things are. Right. So how, how does your portfolio look now for, compared to what it was? Uh, significant time was going into risk so, arbitrage. Uh, That's not happening. Uh, I've also recently talked about this. Uh, so purely from a bucket point of view, there were three strategies. One was long investing. Uh, there was the option portfolio that was still small for me at that point of time when uh, I could give, uh, going back to 2016 and there was the much bigger uh, <coughs> special situations portfolio. So as, as things started happening and I realized uh, ki, uh, over a period of time uh, you want to generate a set of returns which are not coming and I always saw the, the special situations and the options portfolio as something that will generate income for me. So as a full-time investor, there was always this thought process that you need to generate monthly incomes. And this is again driven back by what happened in 2008. So, so you should not get into a frame of mind if the stocks are not giving a return, you start questioning your basic premise that can I make eke a living out of uh, being a full-time investor. So uh, once that happened, and then uh, Siddharth, uh, Siddharth by the way is uh, my junior from my college, IIT Delhi. And uh, we met uh, in one of those seminars 
and uh, there was an immediate meeting of minds and uh, in many ways he was also at that point looking to to become a full time investor and uh, many things fell in place uh, he decided to move into gurgaon and we started setting out and we realized that there's much in common in uh, there's much in common there's much not in common also but but the point is that we both wanted to be full time investors and nice. we both wanted to generate income in order to have stability nice. in terms of our setup so i think the basic crux was same both of us respected <coughs> risk and we understood that you know we want to grow our capital over time but in a controlled risk manner we don't want to take unnecessary a lot of risk uh, we cannot go back to base zero we cannot afford to blow up our capital and we would also like to at least have some consistency in the returns at least on part of the capital if not all of the capital can you elaborate a bit more on your commonality on risk and what do you think about risk how do you think about risk in general and define it from both the buckets all the buckets so, which you're talking uh, about siddharth before this uh, has worked in risk in large uh, institutions and hedge funds so <laughs> siddharth just give the context for the context that i see risk is in ki uh, my risk is not the volatility of the returns but it is in fact uh, something which would prevent me to whatever goals i have in my life whatever you know day to day lifestyle that i want to do i, I don't want to do anything which which has has even a low probability of disturbing that so i would want to i have an aspiration to grow my capital compound and grow over time but not at a cost of something that you know i cannot maintain my day to day lifestyle so the risk of for me is taking decisions that you know that you take a loss so big that you cannot continue on your day to day life and it it impacts your you know decisions for future ki you start questioning yourself ki whether you want to invest in a particular way or not uh, or uh, so basically that is sort of avoiding a black swan event or uh, something you know which is which may not be mathematical right it is uh, uh, especially when we are trading in options right so you have to if you are you have to be very cognizant of risk because all the risk may not be very quantified sure because a lot of people believe in greeks you know delta gamma omega there are various greeks which can try to capture various aspects of option risk but uh, you know they are scenarios which may happen when these theoretical values may not really protect you overnight things may change significantly and you may not even get a time to react and adjust your books sure so overall a you know consciousness about what your exposures are what could be the extreme worst case which mathematically you cannot model but if and when whenever a very low probability event also transpires hampers you know from uh, continuing what you really want to do so that should not happen you should be aware of that okay uh, just let me you know combine these two point of views one the way you're looking at risk in the option bucket is because there is a element of booking and taking the loss at the end of the option right whereas in equities the as you said volatility we don't really bother about there is even despite a crazy drawdown the tendency of stocks is to go come back especially if you are in good stocks and right, right. absolutely so, so risk has to be seen differently from that bucket to this bucket i remember in previous conversation you told that your definition or the way you think about risk 
changed dramatically post your 2008 experience when yeah. you lost 70% of your portfolio which was 90% in equities um uh, how does so risk from stock holding perspective do you marry this thought process which is option mein loss nahi lena hai same there or there you go ahead with the same thing ki acha i can take the loss or i can recoup by holding the stocks yeah. so so again going back to 2016 uh, speaking to siddharth uh, there were a big macro overview about what risk could potentially be i i did not think about it i would think about the risk in a trade but mm-hmm. a risk on a portfolio is something that uh, evolved with my conversations with him over a period of time so we started thinking in terms of what the overall portfolio would look like and we uh, so special situations portfolio was uh, i i had a track record by then i had been doing it for 8 years and i was pretty sure that i will not have a negative year in that i was pre- i had the track record and given the risk reward that we understood we knew it's just that the opportunities were no longer there out there to constantly deploy capital out there right so so then we started thinking about options now options uh, just the nature of options is such that you can have infinite set of strategies and uh, risk ex- exposures by just combining so many ways of doing things you can work on the greeks simply build portfolios and a lot of quant strategies are built around greeks and then there are uh, ways that uh, you can just take naked exposure but where the risk is pretty high but so are the returns then and uh, then there is this philosophy of buying versus selling options so so all these uh, what we realize is that uh, and uh, we started actually going out and networking among the option circles the so called option traders and what we realized uh, the, the those guys were talking about uh, making monthly returns which were pretty high uh in the 5 to 10% range on a monthly basis which was pretty high by by the long investing standards but when we delved deeper into it there was a attendant risk involved in those strategies right and we wanted to make sure that maybe we don't generate those uh, returns what we want to make sure is we don't lose big on these got it so our entire portfolio construct on the option side has been done in a way that we can limit our drawdowns trading in options has inculcated this habit of trying to understand drawdowns the the entire term, terminology that from the high in your portfolio you have what is the maximum low you can go give by following a certain strategy or a set of strategies that is what will de- determine the risk of your option trading portfolio uh, so that uh, oh, sorry just one second before we uh, because we are going to urge the option i just want to close the stocks for the side sure, ones sure. so is the same philosophy of drawdown avoidance also being carried to the equity portfolio and yeah. if yes how are you because in equities you have to think that there so, will be so, a bounce back so, you're so, not selling so equity the inherent Sorry. risks are always there uh, at least i'm uh, i'll let siddharth talk about his way of doing things but in my case uh, the way i'm mitigating is in two ways about the drawdowns on my long portfolio i shift money from my long portfolio into my options portfolio as the market keeps going up interesting so 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 when i feel that uh, the market is no longer cheap i will sell something in my long holdings and that money straight away goes into the option portfolio where my basic construct is i don't want to lose money in a year 
I may not make too much money, but I don't want to lose money out there. And how is this call taken? Uh, so, so this call, uh, the, the basic construct I have is uh, we have three uh, on the index level. Nifty is the basic index that we have. We have three metrics that are published out there. What is, one is the price to earning, price to book, and the dividend yield. What we realized after backtesting, we talked about uh, uh, this also. What we realized is the most stable indicator is price to book. So if, if you take out the 20 years data, and uh, you can tell on a percentile basis where the indices are. And we start thinking about taking out money once we cross the 70 percentile. And uh, as 70 to 80 percentile it hits, we'll take some more money. This, this construct is uh, a work in progress in the sense, but broadly what we want to do is after 70 percentile, at least I definitely want to take some money out and put in the option portfolio. With the basic premise that once the market corrects and again goes below 50 percentile, I put the money back into the long equity from the options portfolio. Interesting. Uh, so, yes. so, and that is one construct. The other construct I just want to highlight is uh, we also see in terms of two buckets. One is the small caps and one is the large caps. Sure. So, and uh, one indicator what we have done is uh, uh, we, we have mapped the ratio of BSC small cap index to Nifty and seen that uh, uh, ratio, how it's performed. So it definitely lies in a certain range. And based on that range, there could be decision points where we say that sell some small caps, move to large caps, or vice versa. So this actually brings me to the question that I always wanted to ask you, Gaurav. Has there been a style change, a drift? Because uh, is it safe to presume that there, there will no longer be 100 baggers in your Absolutely, absolutely. So, so, uh, Definitely, I was extremely lucky that I had two ideas in my portfolio at an early stage in my investing career that ultimately turned out to be 100 baggers. Now with the, the experience of 2008 and the, all the uh, trials and tribulations I've gone through, what I've realized is that thinking of in terms of 100 baggers is just a lottery, nothing more. 100 baggers don't happen by themselves, one. and the other thing is market is much, much more efficient. The fact of the matter is that it took me three months to, to buy a uh, Ashiana stock because it was so liquid when I was uh, buying it in 2005 and 2006. Mm. So for three months, I could be there in the market, just keep buying after having done my scuttlebutt and the diligence on the stock. Now, if anything interesting comes up, if you don't act within the next day or two, somebody else would be on to it. So you don't have those long periods of time where you think you want to allocate big. <clears throat> the ability to allocate concentrated amounts on such stocks, uh, I, at least I don't have it. Partly it's also the reason that the portfolio has grown. So, so the absolute numbers they look different than what they used to. But partly it's also the fact that uh, you don't have the luxury of time in order to, to kind of refine your hypothesis. And I never was the guy who would be the first one to, to find stocks. So I so needed... Nothing stays uh, hidden for long. Uh, yeah, nowadays. so nothing absolutely. That inefficiency has gone away. Yeah. And uh, I was never the first. But earlier I had this windows to keep on buying uh, with the basic assumption that uh, I, I will keep getting at these prices. But now... Uh, you have to basically fire and then think after it. If you think and fire, half the time you miss the opportunity. 
Siddharth, will it be similar for you uh, in terms of asset allocation decision based on a nifty valuation? Because I'm guessing you guys talk together. Okay. Will you be pulling the same triggers which he will be pulling or something different in your portfolio? So the, the tools are similar, the decision points are slightly different. Okay. So I think it is also a function of personal risk appetite. So I would say overall terms, so I have a slightly higher risk appetite than Gaurav. I have a higher willingness to take drawdowns. So, but uh, I'm, I think amongst the two, I'm also more uh, quicker in taking decisions that I need to take. So when I see risk, when I, you know, I'm very, I'm a little bit more flexible in turning my decisions or, you know, take corrective actions. That comes from you your say, risk. Uh, from my risk management yes. days, professional experience. So I think which is why I'm willing to let a little you know a higher exposure runs even when you know i feel the market is slightly overvalued uh, because i know ki i i can cut my exposures a lot faster when i need when the time when i feel the time is demand so uh, just to expand this uh, equity side and so basically what i'm guess getting from you is that your uh, risk control at the equity portfolio is basically happening from asset allocation that you are moving capital away from the port equity portfolios to your options where you are defining risk in a separate way altogether, right? Yeah. There is also a very yeah. uh, big difference between what Gaurav and I do in equity. Gaurav is a lot more concentrated in his equity portfolio and I am a lot more diversified. So what yeah. I would typically have 25-30 names in my equity investments, but Gaurav would have a Actually, uh, that was precisely where we are coming from. Ki asset, what is your construct? So when you said you are diversified hmm. and he is concentrated and both of you are using similar tools, which is nifty valuations, or you allocation. also, we, for allocation, yes. We are experimenting a lot with other sure. tools also, but these are the ones that for now are defined in our construct. Sure. Right and, and from what I know about you, you have always been a small cap oriented investor. Yeah, absolutely. To a large extent. Uh, so how do you deal with the dichotomy where small cap and large cap, uh, large cap giving you a signal of let's say expensive and move your equities away, small cap on the other hand giving you a signal that okay don't do that. Are you shifting your indices also for your decision? So, so the decision about allocation of uh, how much money to be in long and how much money into options is driven by the nifty levels, not by the small cap levels. Okay. Because that what determines the overall uh, levels of uh, expensive uh, or, or the overall, overall sentiment of the market. Sure. So, but there could be times when the nifty is not also not too expensive, but uh, a rally has come in the small caps where we feel that the small caps compared to historically where those valuations were now small caps have done. So, so 2016-17 was a big period of outperformance of small caps. Now, if you see in those charts, uh, you can clearly make out that those are outlier periods. And if the simple decision could have been, and Nifty wasn't very expensive at that point. So, you could have simply shifted out of the small caps into Nifty. And that would have been an excellent decision because post-2018 to March 2020, small caps drifted down in a material sense by 20-25%, whereas Nifty went just sideways. So, so that overlay really kind of uh, made us realize that uh, it makes sense to start thinking in those terms. So and there is another yeah. realization that you know when you are, you know you have large position in small caps, it is much easier to sell on the way up rather than the way down. So you may not pick the top, 
but if you decide to wait for the top then getting an exit also may not be very easy in small cap companies once the true either the business or the environment changes true so once it crosses you know you fair bit above your valuation threshold or expectations and you seeing a few years of earnings are already priced in so at least i would prefer to keep on selling in small so which reminds so me uh, yeah on the way up rather than so, on the way down so Siddharth uh, did not have a hundred bagger, but he had a fifty bagger uh, since uh, we joined. So maybe you can talk about. So this company is called Swiss Glass Coat. It has name, the new name is now actually Glass Coat. So this this is India's uh, second largest manufacturer of glass lined reactors and filtration system. So I think it was an interesting story because I think uh, at that time I used to hold stock in a company called GMM Fortler. this is about i think 2016 17 and if you look at that period a lot of chemical companies were expanding their operations in india and everyone was doing capex and for any of these capex whether it is in pharma apis or chemical companies you need inert reactors where the reactions actually happens and uh, there are very few companies specialized companies in india which manufacture these so if you want to expand a plant you cannot put up a new capacity without these reactors and and there was immense demand for it and there the lead time was as much as 6 months 6 to 9 months backlog was there to get the reactors done all these reactor manufacturers were in a way expanding capacities to meet up with the demand the demand was so began it was it happened after a long time because of whatever was happening in china on the pollution norms etc they so a lot of companies in india got good tailwinds and if you listen to the company con calls the chemical companies conference calls you could uh, make out that across the spectrum a lot of chemical companies were expanding their capacities so gmm folder was already doing very well and they were hosting conference calls explaining about the industry scenario and their outlook it was the leader and it, the stock also did very well along with the earnings at the same time they the second tier company or the they not the second tier but the competitor was a very small company 150 crore market cap they had a plant in anand uh, it was called swiss glass coat and uh, they exchanged hands and a group uh, mr patel from achilli uh, who it was a private company also focusing on similar segment they used to man- manufacture filtration systems which go into chemical manufacturing setups so they took over this company and i went to their agm so because i i sort of understood the industry because i was already holding fordler so i think it was in 2018 that i went to the agm and uh, except the company employees and a consultant i think i was only one who is there in anand to it was still at 150 crore market cap company at that point so how do you sorry, sorry to interrupt how do you uh, spot it just because you were I invested already, in fordler i already owned fordler and i knew ki this is a competitor it makes the same equipment okay and absolute <coughs> market cap was so cheap and uh, the parent which took over actually they they were very well renowned for their filtration system they were the leaders in india in that and as a equipment it is a lot more complex to manufacture so it was logical to think that these the guy who have taken over the new this company they understand the space well and they have the technical capabilities they have their resources and the market opportunity size is very big because which which was evident why what fortler was doing and what it has been communicating openly on the conference calls 
so the opportunity size was there and this there was a guy who had a proven track record of building a sizable business being leader in the segment in india taking over this company so the risk reward seems very favorable for me to at least explore i bought a few shares went to the agm and i heard heard their plans and what they are planning to do and expand i was quite happy from what i heard i bought some shares more for the next one year the company did very well uh, the profit the sales grew the profits grew but the stock did price did not move uh, it was still the same after one year while the in the <coughs> same period the podler price would have gone up i think to to between 2 to 3x in that period uh, this agm was when wow so first was one is i think in september 18 september 18 okay so that's when you bought the uh, second lot which you the first lot first lot and the second one was in september 19 september 19 september 19 i think the price was roughly around the same maybe i mean 10% up or down and just for the benefit of the listeners also uh also give a quantitative picture to the business which they acquired so what was glasgow doing it till then was it a profitable business it was, was profitable i think they at that time their uh, sales was uh, roughly 100 100 crore or something around around decent that. roe business no decent, debt kind of ROE. they had a smaller growth okay. the growth rate was lacking hmm. they were not going at the same rate maybe because of the transition that happened the new management was coming in trying taking some time to understand their plans and put up their plans so there was a small gap there so which is what i wanted to go and understand that what is so, yeah. you know, so i'm asking this question is primarily because what were you betting on you were betting on that uh, hle people will be able to take or explore the space hmm. expand much better in a space which they were not able to do see the industry look. tailwinds were so strong yeah that you know even a uh, you know a reasonable management would have done a very good job of that because the tailwinds are so strong the product is already strong it they were the second largest player swiss lascourt itself it's not that the product was bad yeah it was well accepted in the industry and a lot of big multi big indian corporates chemical manufacturers were using their products so the product was well established and when you know the demand is so strong so why it was reasonable to expect that they they would also expect from the demand tailwinds and the absolute valuation was so cheap that the risk reward situation was very asymmetric right what what sure. would happen if in worst case also you would you know maybe lose 5 10% right what would you lose broadly like, what was the range of valuation so if you remember this was less than a 150 cr market cap 150 crore market cap at that point and i think a fordler gmm fordler would be maybe at that time around you know, maybe 12 12 to 1400 crore Hi friends I hope you are enjoying this particular episode I just want to take a minute and thanks the sponsors for this episode Toy Talks was built on a premise of actionable insights and detailed questioning and that usually requires the independence of doing that work when you're looking for somebody to partner with you are not only looking for somebody who will share your ethos but also will promote this independence of asking fearless questions without any hesitations so when we were looking for someone like that obvious first choice for me was a dsp mutual fund i have known their team i have worked with them for a long period of time you know they have this uh, tagline called hashtag #invest for good which i really like because it really associates which in my observation i have seen them living this as the way of their life and which is very visible if you if you follow their work uh, in public they have 
done some excellent research efforts. They've come up with some amazing reports, which everybody enjoys reading. For example, they have this report called Netra. Uh, then there is the transcript, which talks about the call transcripts. Then there is the annual report, Nectar, the Navigator, and, and many such reports, which I enjoy reading and is enjoyed by many practitioners in the investment community. So we are extremely proud to be working with such a team. They completely agree with our vision for Stoic Talks. And I really want to thank them for supporting this particular episode. And if you aren't already, I would highly recommend you to uh, follow them on Twitter with their Twitter ID is at the rate DSPMF. So thanks once again and enjoy listening to this show. And company doing profits of what range broadly? Uh, I think GMM the for Swiss Glass Court it was around 10 crore roughly profit at that time. Okay. So it was around a 10 times earning. Okay. Uh, and I expected you know over time you know, with the combined group it could do much sure. better over over periods. So that uh, in, for the next year even though the business the sales started inching up the margin started expanding a little bit but the share price did not do a lot and the the but 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 this by the next year the story was a little bit more discovered a lot of people have got interested into it because the fodler was doing so well because the stock price has gone up yeah i remember 2019 glass code was on twitter a lot of people were talking about this discussing this and then when we went to the agm this time there was a large group of very you know well respected independent still no large brokerage house coverage but a lot of independent you know uh, investors who we interact with, a lot of them were there and we had a very good AGM and paid the management very clearly articulated their plans for the future for all the shareholders and we were able to buy as much as we want uh, you know in the next week or so and from that price I think uh, maybe around that it was 180 around that price after the AGM also could buy around that price. And I think within six months, it was uh, probably, I think, 1500 it went there. Wow. <laughs> and another year after the COVID, during the COVID crisis, the stock came came back to 450-500 from, you know, 12-1300 because everything was collapsing. Yeah. And this was still a small company with relatively low liquidity. It came down to 450. But uh, post uh, another two years, I think from 450, it went to as high as, I think, 6000. Wow. So effectively from 150 what we bought it went to the high of 6000. I did not hold, held it for the entire time because as I said you keep some sense of valuations there and when you feel it has crossed that you start selling in chunks. So maybe I started selling after 2500, 2500. You passed some of your Ashana wisdom too. But Sid's concept of selling in chunks is sell 2%, sell 3%. So so, so it's like he'll take at least 7-8 months just to exit the stock. The last bit I sold on the way down. But isn't it very against what you initially said where you're a fast decision maker. When you decided to sell, shouldn't you be... Like selling, getting out much quicker in so, your positions. Think about it. It is, it is an illiquid stock. Right? Sure. It is not that if you want to sell the entire quantity at one go, you do, may be able to sell, you may not be able to sell. Sure. If you think the valuations are very rich, but the momentum is also strong. Yeah. So I don't know how, f- I, I never expected it can go to 6,000. Yeah. So but this is something I picked up from Gaurav from the last interview. Always sell in tranches. 
because uh, uh, he did that with Unitech as well. So yeah, that, that's a good. So lesson. so my tranches are chunky tranches, like fifteen twenty percent. His tranches are like two to five percent. So, so sure. you uh, so, you bought in tranches also. But but an game. important lesson around that is uh, we have started following the concept of a trailing stop loss. So hmm. never say that this was my target price. It succeeded. I'm going to be out. Now you say that the market is, uh, the momentum is carrying in a zone that I can't understand. I don't think it's valued. But why do you want to f uh, fight the momentum? So rather than say, then uh, we, we started the broad, uh, still it's a work in progress, but other parameters like uh, say a 50 day moving average or a 100 day moving average, don't sell it till it's above that price. Those kind of logics uh, do work out when the stock is getting re-rated in a material way. Right. It is still very difficult to, you know, to very stick to when some, sometimes you see obscene valuations, you, it is very difficult to resist that urge to wait, sell something, right? So, and especially when it is in a liquid stock, a small liquid company, you would, I, at least I am quite satisfied, <coughs> you know, if I, even if I got an average price of 3500, so I am happy, okay. This was a satisfactory return. Uh, a question to both of you. Uh, given that you are exploring this concept of trading stop losses and giving momentum the you know the benefit of doubt, uh, and you are doing transient selling in the sense that you are selling in parts, do you also have multiple trailing stop losses? That okay, I'll send five percent if it goes below fifty. Let's say just for example, or you have a hard code that before below this we are going to sell all. So selling if the trailing stop loss is breached is selling all. Then okay. then it's not in tranches, but. Okay you may end up selling on the way up also because you just want to book your some of your profits. Okay. And I didn't have like, uh, I've had a couple of 10 baggers, but I didn't have the kind of a 50 bagger that said had. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, in my case, uh, what has happened is also that my risk appetite has gone down with time. So, so this, this ability ki what that the pool that is already there, how much of risk do you want to expose it to? So, so to that extent also, uh, <coughs> uh, my allocations are not that concentrated as they used to be. I think for me, the answer would depend on, it is a little bit contextual in terms of the which business, it is not, it is the same answer for each business that you own. Sure. So there are certain businesses which I own, which if they fall 20%, maybe I'll buy more rather than sell. It mm. is contextual. It is not that, you know, every stock, if it hits a step, stop loss, we are going to sell. If I really understand the business and the management mm. and I'm confident, even if it is, if it falls 20%, I'm not going to be a seller there. Right. So it is, I think, so familiarity with the business and with confidence that you have, I may not buy, but I may, I will also not sell. And sometimes if my allocation allows me to permit me to buy more, I, I may also buy. So these sure. these concepts, you know, they finally, I mean, it is difficult to write it down that I will do, you know, only this. It is and you have to, at least I try to contextualize what is the risk here. If I understand the business very well, if the, why is the stock falling? Is it a temporary short term problem? Is it solvable problem? Sure. Right. And if I am convinced that it is a very short term problem, then I may not sell. In fact, I may even buy a little bit more. So it, it brings us to another experiment that we did was, uh, so in September 2020, uh, we, we read an interview that uh, Saurabh did with Rashekar Iyer. So that book, uh, uh, we were, I was very impressed, so was it. And uh, we thought that why don't we contextualize. So, so the first time in my life, 
I started thinking of averaging up. Hmm. So before that, I always average down. I would allocate big and then I would average down if it goes against me because Actually, I remember in 2016 interview also you said exactly the same thing, which is that you have been struggling to build a mindset of, you know, of averaging up and you so, always do average down or always have yeah, and, yeah, and so the, 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 the big insight after reading that interview is that you can easily average up if your initial allocation is not so high. So if you're doing an initial allocation at 5, 6, 7 percent, uh, then doubling or topping up on top is not. But this concept of averaging up is you allocate 2 percent and as you read more about it and get more confident about the underlying business and the tailwinds out there, you keep on allocating up. And he highlighted how he wrote Devi's uh, using that philosophy and uh, that worked uh, and I just realized I was a fool about thinking just about averaging down but uh, that, that was a big insight for me and uh, that has changed my perspective to some extent but then I also realized I don't react as fast so, so as the stocks moved up I averaged up a lot on stocks and then when the correction came uh, last year. Uh, so my trailing stop losses were being built up on the average line and when the corrections came, uh, it breathed those trailing down because I, I was no longer aware that what they were. <laughs> so, so, so this ability, this contextual ability, Siddharth has a lot better than me and uh, so, so I just realized that uh, you need to understand your own personality also to that extent that uh, how you are able to do that. There are strategies which work great. But it's also but, probably a function of time as well, uh, Gaurav, like uh, depending on the market cycle, sometimes you get a chance to average down because the overall sentiment is down. But if you're in a bull run, you'll yeah, only be averaging so, up. So there is no so one right answer. Na? So, so that's why they call investing an art. Sometimes yeah. averaging down works very well. Yeah. But uh, having learned and experienced what I have, I think averaging up is a better strategy than averaging down, which... I, if you had asked me five years back, I would have said exactly the opposite. Interesting. In fact, I did an analysis, so I think a year back. So I looked at all my trades for the last 10 years, all the investments that I've done in various companies and I wanted to see you, you know, what has contributed to the returns, what has been the average return, etc. would have been. And uh, I realized that, you know, top 15% of all the positions that I have taken in the market in last 10 years accounted for all the profits, right? Sure. Yes. So that's and the Pareto play, 80, principle. 85% positions net-net did not contribute anything, but the bottom 10%, they accounted for a large part of the losses. So now I think in these terms that, you know, when I take an investment, I don't know whether in what range of the spectrum it will lie. It can be a top performer, it can be a mediocre performer, but what lies in my hand is to prevent a very large loss. That sure. is one thing that I can control. Sure. I cannot control it, make it a top performer, but I, at least I can prevent it from losing beyond a certain point. And I have not seen any, you know, in the last my 10-15 years, whatever trading history I saw, I did not see any example of a stock which was a major loser. Finally, it overcame came that and became a big profit contributed to my overall portfolio. Maybe because psychologically, once it, you know, from a big drawdown, once you recover, I end up selling or whatever, I may not have given it time. Mm -hmm. Shivalik Biometal probably would be the only exception. 
basically I did not down the dump and now yeah, yeah. okay it is possible but for me it has not worked so I, so risk management also has to be has to deal with your own personality yeah. and your own experiences also sure. so i know given my experience so i am better off preventing a very large loss yeah. big profits will take care of themselves whenever they come <coughs> i don't know which stock will go on that side of the spectrum but i my focus is on avoiding the downside and that itself would lead to at least 2-3% CAGR improvement which is I think a reasonable enough for you know a little bit more being by being more risk conscious. So and, and you are doing that by allocating low at the start and then building the position. Right and, and at a certain point if you you know the losses go beyond what you thought it would be then something is not working. Uh, you reduce your position and reevaluate it and and you can rebuild your position also. Sure. It's not that, you know, if you sold something, you cannot buy it back again. Yeah, in fact, this exercise that you've done, if all our viewers do it at home, uh, they will come to a same conclusion because this is Pareto at play. Right. Invariably, top 10, 15 bets are doing majority of the heavy lifting. Right. In fact, uh, in the same way, a majority of people who are not doing business study and let's say a momentum-based uh, uh, approach, they also do the same risk management. The only difference is that instead of building upwards, uh, they are controlling their risk by keeping their stop loss very tight in the starting phase and then relaxing their stop losses more as and when the, yeah, yeah. As so, and when so the price is moving This up. is a very important uh, concept of capital at risk. Yeah. So you may take a exposure in a particular position which could be 10-15% of your stock, but you're only willing to say lose 1-2% or of your portfolio size on that stock. And those are determined by your stop losses. This doesn't have, you, you don't apply this logic in invest investing. But this is a logic we have learned while uh, doing the trading aspect. And uh, this can actually be applied in investing in a, in a very gainfully manner. Because it's not the capital that you've deployed, uh, especially in some of the larger gap stocks. But uh, it's it's what you are willing to lose on that one one particular investment. And so, it also brings risk in front of your allocation, right? Otherwise, right. you have allocated a stock, but you think in terms of capital allocation. You don't think in terms of risk allocation. Right. So right. it right. brings in every stock, you know, what is my risk rather than what is my capital deployed. And that helps you size your positions a little bit better. And, and in psychologically, see, in averaging down, there is another psychological uh, aspect that comes into play, uh, which Sid also highlighted, is this anchoring bias. So once you buy, it goes down, you buy again, and you're averaging. And you have seen so much of N2Ms on your position that as soon as you break even, there's this strong tendency to just exit. True. True. <laughs> so, so you never are able to gain the upsides on it. And uh, and this bias, Shivalik by metal, I, I bought at 120, it went to 160 and then in the March 2020 crash, it went down to 22, 23. Yeah. But uh, given those uncertainty, I never averaged down and uh, it was also the new philosophy. Now it's uh, at, at a different level you, altogether. You do, you do revenge buying and you do relief selling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so all those psychological biases, whether we acknowledge or not, they at, at a subconscious level, all of that is playing out. So we are not rational humans. Yeah, so yeah. We have so, so to accept our irrationality and find a way to deal with it. So practically, I can stay the course. Uh, let's go back again. So we have gone into stocks and stock selection and discussion around your buying, buying or selling positions in the stocks. 
from the asset allocation perspective i think both of you have convinced are convinced and you have said multiple times also that you are convinced that asset allocation matters much more than the stock selection you uh, quoted yale david swenson also last yeah, time yeah, absolutely uh, and and that has led you to build the other side of the position which is the option side of things the sure. reason you do options is also something you have dealt in past is primarily because the other alternatives are not very lucrative so if you move out of market and you move to cash and you are wrong on your uh, you know so, you are early to move out you lose a lot of opportunity cost on the options you said opportunity cost loss is not there on the contrary you can make yeah. good returns there. so so my ability to come to cash so 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 basically when you are running a long portfolio there are two philosophies always be invested or taking cash calls right now now the cash calls uh, the problem with cash calls is that if you are uh, wrong about the market tops or the valuation then the opportunity cost is too high yeah for us uh, shifting that money into options the opportunity cost is not so high because of the kind of returns we are able to make in options so for us it's a lot easier to take those kind of calls and uh, once in a while you will be very right about these aspects and and when you look at combining the option portfolio and your long portfolio and and you merge the two and look at in the entirety it clearly reduces your drawdown so so why that framework becomes important for us to understand from the options perspective is that for you options is acting as a replacement to your cash or debt position and hence you would want very low drawdowns so, for you to be comfortable in so that so it started with that logic but uh, okay. pretty the funny part is that if i look back over the last 5 years my returns in options have been higher than my returns in my long portfolio interesting so, sure but your risk management is from a mental point exactly. of view that so, it's so, cash and debt so equivalent this for us. this is what i keep telling siddharth that an options portfolio given all the strategies that we have experimented it and what we have built around we will not now have a year where we will lose money uh, but you said that okay, for this capital also this gets interesting so uh, this arbitrage we are not losing money it's just that we are we don't find the opportunity we won't get money it was a joke like 2016 <laughs> mein yeah, yeah. we had this conversation and gorav said the same thing for risk up a position that you haven't had a losing year for risk carb yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden the market became so efficient that so so again risk carb just that so, so ultimate negative year to yaar you won't have even putting money in a fd yeah, yeah. but point <laughs> is that the, the, you need to to have a certain sure, threshold sure. on that so yeah. risk carb again you won't have a losing year but the returns are not exciting case. enough now sure, yeah. so just to just ensure that the risk is in place and said uh, alluded alluded to that in the earlier conversation as well uh tell us what kind of leverage are you taking in your options book so leverage so there are two kinds of trades that we do broadly two kinds one is that what we are what we called as our covered calls so covered calls is backed by cash so you say if we have 10 lakhs worth of exposure cross exposure in the market which is you have bought 10 lakh worth of cash or uh, futures so you have 10 lakh cash also available so you are not taking any leverage on that because it is a directional bet if the you know market corrects you will have m2m's losses as as per the market and so we don't want to take any leverage there but other than that we what we have is non directional trades which are in nifty and bank nifty no so, uh, sorry sorry to interrupt uh, within the covered call uh, covered calls there is no leverage all the positions are backed by cash so it's a, almost 1x. a 1x okay there is okay. no leverage So you're selling the calls equivalent to the cash that you, uh, the long position that you have. So calls sold could be more than that, but that is active risk management. 
so there is also <coughs> if in terms of risk uh, in a way you could say ki if there is a gap up tomorrow we yeah. we are net short market to some extent right but then we also have an equity portfolio also interesting okay which yeah. is which is naked right mm-hmm. we you don't have any calls written on top of that so would you say they are equal they kind of yeah. hedge it, it acts as a hedging mechanism the risk see, covered calls what happens is that uh, as you pointed out the leverage is if we have say as he pointed 10 lakhs so we will only buy 10 lakhs worth of stocks and use that stocks as margin so there are two ways to do it you buy the stocks you pledge them as margin or you buy liquid funds you, you pledge them and then you buy the underlying exposure in futures and sell on call calls yeah. on top now the calls on top are not one is to one ratio mm-hmm. the calls sold are more than the futures right so after a particular point we are net short on the market right now so that's a attendant risk but we have a natural hedge to that attendant risk because we have long portfolios got it so we don't have that risk that a pure covered call portfolio a typically person who's running a pure covered call portfolio would have because we are not going to be 100% in covered calls got it i, so I was just asking is that one is to one absolutely one. Yeah. The, the the allocation between covered calls uh, yeah. this portfolio and uh, the long portfolio and the long portfolio is going to change depending on where we feel the valuations are this this got is it. this is a moving target it's not always one is to one and and plus you actively manage the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. so so we, we actively manage let's again go back to the top again so uh, option is decided your money going into options is your asset allocation decision correct uh, option being a cash equivalent for you at least psychologically from risk perspective right. you would want your option portfolio as such to have very defined and very low correct risk, risk. right yeah. so you're managing your option portfolio risk so at individual level so how do you balance that part like creating different buckets and how are you managing risk at different different trade positions or at each individual position you are managing the risk to at so portfolio level at a portfolio yeah. so level how do you do that yeah so so there's this concept of a drawdown in an option portfolio we are always looking at what are our drawdowns so at a strategy level at a portfolio level so so we are measuring our returns every week every month every quarter every year so we those drawdowns are immediately highlighted get highlighted and if they are beyond a certain range we decide to move out of those strategies so and those strategies are not a constant uh, some of those strategies evolve to grow bigger get bigger allocations in our option portfolios but we are always striving to look for more strategies and uh, and this has been a constant over the last 3 years we have always tried consciously to look at newer things ways of doing things can you break this down what kind of strategies are there currently in your portfolio so so covered calls we have talked about majority of the money lies on that but because we are only taking 1x leverage hmm. okay we have a lot of spare margin lying with us sure so what to do with that margin and that margin is what we aim to deploy on the other strategies which are non directional and uh, which are largely on the indices which is now there are three indices now nifty uh, bank nifty and lately there is this new index called fin nifty so between these three indices all those strategies are built around so and these are the underlying and where there is a weekly expiry great and so uh, continuing with my first question what's the leverage on that so there the leverage we don't think in terms of leverage because it is not an unhedged trade 
Okay. So all the trades with any option that we buy would have a corresponding. So any bought option which we sell would have a corresponding buy bought option. So you will know your worst case loss what it is. So even if there is a market gap up or gap down, you know what is the amount of money that you can lose, and that money for me is roughly one percent of the portfolio. If there is a gap up, I can lose roughly one percent of the money. Very interesting. So. I haven't measured it like that, but as he rightly pointed out, uh, this is always this is head. So again, these kind of trades are two two versions to it. One is intraday, that you start those trades in the morning, and by three thirty they are over. They are squared off. Whether there's a profit, whether there's a loss, they are squared off. So there is no concept of a gap up risk or a gap down risk. Right. So th- uh, the only risk is during the day. Then there is another set of uh, trades which are positional, which we will carry to the next day. Right now, in those trades, for whatever we might have sold in an option, we would have a correspondingly bought option. So nothing is naked out there. So your tail so, risk is covered. So so the 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 entire concept of cross leverage doesn't count there because we there we are measuring our max losses. Got it. Not measuring how much of gross exposure we have. So, uh, in fact, typically we would end up having some, you know, spread trade spot, which is out of the money as you know, just tail additional production. So, if we have a down circuit tomorrow, so most probably we will benefit out of it rather than losing money because we have some these cheap extra protection spot, which can benefit you. So this brings me to this question that. Uh, I uh, keep getting asked that if you are doing these hedges to ensure mm-hmm. that fat tail risk is covered, is hedged, uh, what are the ideal risk return expectations after you have hedged yourself? Per so, month? So I think with our act, per month is difficult <laughs> to say. <laughs> so More on a per day, per, per, per year is a better uh, uh, benchmark. Be <laughs> per year, I would think post hedging, uh, 15 to 20 percent sort of a return is, I think, reasonable to expect. So, so I'll put it a somewhat different way. Uh, it makes sense to to the 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 index strategies which are there. Uh, it it does make sense to measure it on a monthly basis. What happened in a particular series or a month? The covered calls any given month could have a loss. Any given month could have a, a profit. Any even up to a quarter, we might have a loss. But covered calls, we have built it now in a structure that for the year we will not be negative. That's that's where the concept of those tail hedges kick in. So so again, so <coughs> the, so the time frames are different, uh, and uh, whether we'll make mo- more money in covered calls or whether we'll make mo- more money in the index strategies is a function of how well the market is overall market is doing. If the overall market uh, goes down. The index returns will be much better than our covered calls, but if the overall market is going up, the index, uh, the covered calls, because covered calls by their very nature are directional in nature. Right. I think there is another reason why we want to do both. See, because of what happened in uh, say special situations, mm. you know, market got efficient over time and the opportunity disappeared. I think it is possible that for the index options, we can have something like that over time as more and more capital keeps on coming in. You know, people are the size of algorithmic trading in India is increasing, and finally, in a way, they they would compete for the same pool of returns. So, what is the source of returns? You have a lot of these retail guys who are coming in and trying to buy options or lottery tickets, which are who are burning money. 
and they are the ones who are providing returns to you know people who are systematically in a strategically way selling options sure as more and more people keep on participating you know in a systematic in a well defined way they are going to take away you know diminish the returns for everyone sure. correct so as markets gets more efficient more capital keeps on coming this returns can get diminished over time but i am convinced for the covered calls it is not going to be the same because you know to generate that return it requires active management it requires skill and it requires ability to take a drawdown which uh, i think traders will find very difficult and investors are used to taking drawdowns in equity portfolios sure so uh, our genesis coming from investing background so our ability to handle those drawdowns is far better than traders so most of the traders can't take 10 15% drawdown on their trading books but in, for investors it is part and parcel of life that that's how they evolve possible. yeah recently like in twitter pe to log 5 8 taka kamate mahine ka aap abhi 15 20 saal ka nahi to their skill set is different we are not to wo wo 5 8% kamate bhi hai tab wo twitter pe post nahi karte so so point is that we want to live that life yep so we looked at our data so for option trading so i have been capturing my monthly data also because a lot of these trades non directional trades whatever we do in index are weekly expiries and any week particular week can also have a loss but for the last 3 years i have not had a negative month nice so, okay. I, so since the time we scaled up scaled it up a little bit usse pehle to we were not even tracking it as we have not ever had a negative month and on average returns have been better than what we have expected when we ventured out sure so so when said points out it's 15 to 20% uh, we have been doing better than that of course you've been conservative yeah but in the long term that is where we so expect uh, things to trend what you say you ask a mutual fund investor how much should you expect you would say 12 to 15% is what you would should be happy if you get in the long term sure so similarly for options if you get you know 15% after hedging you should be happy of, of course you can do better and again going back to the original objective it is cash equivalent 16% yeah. is extremely so, so good so at, at, at the very core of us we are more <coughs> investors than traders yeah we also run this fear of that uh, as market has turned efficient say in uh, special situations it's going to turn more efficient currently what is feeding this frenzy in this jump in option volumes like nsc as a derivative exchange is the largest in the world right now yeah and you know for a fact given the demat accounts that have opened the trading accounts that have opened especially with the new age brokerages that are out there uh they are running into tens of lakhs uh on a yearly basis and all these people are coming out with with the with pools of 50000 uh, 1 lakh 2 lakh 5 lakhs so this is the amount of money that is adding to the profit pool right. ultimately trading is a zero sum game for somebody to make money somebody has to lose money and then th- there is the brokerage there is the nsc uh, all the profitability of nsc is being dr- driven by option trading right now yep yeah so th- this can't continue forever so people who are the fodder or the sheep that will lose the money in order for others to make money ultimately as an individual they'll run out of money so then they are concerned about the supply of the sheep so so the <laughs> supply of the sheep is going to disappear it's it's pretty much logical the way you are going to run out of people you can take money away from yeah true hopefully they get wiser to 
see think about it as a hni investor if i am doing a strategy which i believe in initially but i start losing money i may continue it for a month three months maybe a year but after <coughs> that i'm going to stop True. now i have stopped losing money so the one who was making money where does he get his profit from sure and it's it's this new supply of newbie traders that are going out which is supplying the profit pool that profit pool is bound to go down that's the belief that we carry over a period of time if if even if it doesn't go down it is difficult to see it will keep on expanding and new capital will keep on coming you know systematically you know more and more people even our own compounding will keep on happening over time right our size sure. of option book has increased significantly what it was 3 years back sure. right so where will do all those if with these kind of returns more and more money it's going to attract more money well it is possible we may start thinking ki why the, the opportunity cost of investing is too high options is much better <laughs> it's the matlab it's easy to think like that it's the opportunity cost of not putting money in options rather than in investing right now true right true and th- there's enough chatter on twitter for you to have an idea the kind of money there is a firm in uh, gurgaon called graviton what we have heard is that their prof- uh, yearly profits are more than 1000 crores and th- wow. that is just one firm and they are dozens of such firms now and they all they are doing is options books exactly yeah. uh, there is a listed company two listed companies two listed that are companies, trading uh, yeah. share india and dolat algotech just yeah. look at their numbers so where is this all this profit pool coming from sheep and fodder <laughs> so uh, anyway th- those are larger discussions sure, this is something sure. that nitin kamat of zerodha also keeps highlighting that yeah. ultimately Stock Talks has been partnered by DSP Mutual Fund which was an obvious choice for us having worked with the DSP team earlier and recognizing how they are obsessed with helping investors take better decisions some examples of their motivation to help investors do better are visible in their research related work uh, which they make available for free including getting smarter tatya report card their invest for good blog among others we thank team dsp for supporting this episode of stoic talks and recommend that you follow them on twitter at dspmf so so is it fair to say that you believe that the algos and uh, that side of the world which which is getting those fodder uh, the, the sheep which you're talking about those alphas will go away uh over a period or, of time so, over so a period of time. i think a more evolved market is us uh, us doesn't make these kind of returns on option trading So, so even the, the markets are so, 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 so there. They are uh, like at size. It is difficult. So, so yeah. there, there are firms like Two Sigma <coughs> or Medallion Funds. I mean, they, they are doing so much of uh, these high-frequency traders. Nobody can make uh, the money like the way they can. So, they have already taken out the low-hanging fruit out there. You have to be. So, so there, the market is more efficient. If you want to make higher returns, you have to take more risks. what what is happening right now in india is you are not taking that much risk to make these returns right and it been it will not last for very long time it may not last i don't know no no arbitrage lasts forever so wo to hai matlab that's our basic hmm. expectations but we are happy till it continues so okay right. so okay now let's come to uh, the strategies again okay so sure so you said covered call is primarily taking majority of your option portfolio is that a fair assessment the largest strategy i would <coughs> say so Large. basically it is how size at 1x whatever the option pool is at 1x of that gross exposure is covered call that is how it is going to so 
so if uh, we have uh, one CR, so for, uh, and we have one CR gross exposure, but the margin involved in running that pool because it's uh, levered any which ways, mm. I would say about forty to fifty lakhs is still free for us to do other things. Sure. Why don't you explain this covered call in its entirety from how do you engaged in at least with one example of a trade? One example which will cover all the aspects of covered call from margins to whatever you do. Uh, in so, so the broad philosophy around covered calls is that uh, <clears throat> you fundamentally look at stocks. So covered calls is limited to, to, to stocks which are uh, there in the FNO segment, which are about broadly about 200 stocks. Uh, the, the stocks are selected by NSE on certain criteria, which is the liquidity, the, the market cap, and uh, gradually it's grown. Out of this, uh, practically, uh, the liquidity in the options is only in the top 100. Below that, the liquidity are so low that it may not ma make sense because you want to deploy capital at a certain scale. So out of those, maybe the 100, <coughs> we take a fundamental view on the stocks. Okay, so uh, so, so I'll, I'll come to the current construct uh, is are initially two-third of the portfolio has to be built out of the nifty 50 and why i say why that constraint is there is simply because uh, we want to hedge our portfolios to some extent <coughs> and uh, we need to have a correlation of our portfolios with nifty because the hedging tool that we have is only nifty okay so so we want to have a correlation and that's why we have put in a filter that two-third of our stock holdings have to come out of nifty so so out of the nifty stocks uh, we do our allocation uh, typically uh, in terms of the portfolio construct. And and before saying this, uh, I'm not a savvy registered advisor <laughs> and uh, doing this only sure. out of to share my experience and for educational purpose only. Sure. So this should not be taken as any kind of advice. So to, to that extent, uh, <coughs> what we do is we, we would construct a portfolio of 20 stocks. Out of those 20, maybe the, the top 12, 13 are going to be out of Nifty. And in Nifty, we we are basically fundamental guys. And we would take a view what stock is cheap or reasonably priced. And those are the stocks we'll focus on. And uh, once we select that pool, uh, we, we, uh, we buy the underlying share. And uh, currently, we are, uh, okay, we are not even buying the underlying shares. We are giving our money as a margin. Uh, 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 money so into liquid, liquid funds, funds. Liquid funds and pledge those liquid funds to get the margin then we buy the future of those stocks of those stocks and then uh, sell calls which are far out of money so so the calls from the current market price would be five to ten percent away when we start the trade okay so, so just for the clarity of everybody so, so to give you a specific <coughs> example say dlf so DLF is at around about 400 rupees right now. If we buy the future at 400, we would like to sell the call at either the 430 or the 441. So about 10% away. Okay, sure. So just to give a you know uh, the broader clarity again, when you are saying uh, you are taking two third of your portfolio in from Nifty stocks, you are talking about the equity part of your. The, the no, the futures or the few, or the complete option book. May you are dividing. This it. is just the option book. We are okay. not talking about the. So investing. that part is done. You are yeah. not talking about equity anymore. Yeah. Whatever allocation you have decided to go to options, there you are putting uh, covered calls. In that, the stocks are going to come from Nifty Fifty. 
and these are long dated hedges on nifty so currently if we want to buy hedges we would buy the uh, december 2023 hedges and okay. what is the cost of the hedge so 10% away uh, which is uh, a year away and 10% away the broadly the the hedge cost would be about 3% of uh, the the strike price now what is the cost of the hedge for you at a portfolio level so our broad uh, philosophy is that about 15% of uh, what premiums we are getting out of selling uh, calls on top and all the management we are doing 15% of that we will use to to buy the hedges and uh, you must have done a, a model simulation as to if let's say uh, the entire thing cracks uh, are the hedges sufficient yeah so say 10% is after doing this modeling interesting and and with the caveat because <clears throat> this year what happened is the market went down earlier and then it uh, bounced back and uh, uh, we ended up uh, we rolling we ended up rolling our hedges to the next year at a very expensive level and because of that uh, currently the hedging cost is higher than 15% right now so but that's an opportunity cost uh, that uh, we have to take a hit on because there's no way we are going to remove those insurances that we have once we have built i think this is an area also where we would like to work more to optimize it better so now what we have optimized it on is to prevent our portfolio drawdowns that we will not have a negative year and on a case <coughs> case basis we still have a return which will exceed our threshold a return expectation but there is some scope to optimize on this cost of hedges how do it in a better way and this is something which will keep on experimenting and seeing how can so, we get better at it so how much of this can you actively do how much can you leave it on you know supercomputers and convert it into algorithms are you trying that have you given no, a shot to no, no. so so uh, this is not what the way we do it it can't be automated as okay. of now the cover yeah. calls bit yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. but some and, part of it can be converted okay. we don't we'll aspire this to 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 automate this part of the portfolio because he said that that is where the edge also will remain so for we, long we, we don't time. want to make enough rules that it's automated anything that gets automated will attract capital over time sure so so we leave it to our learnings and our and that experience takes time uh, to manage and as he pointed out the 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 M2Ms and the drawdowns are pretty high in that. And besides, I've seen you uh, work on this strategy. This is uh, there's a lot of discretion involved. I don't think it can be coded. It cannot be coded. Ha! मतलब we 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 have tried to think about it, but broadly we agree, and that is also an edge. Why would we want to lose that edge? Exactly. So you can have broad rules, but you still need to 
be very conscious of the environment and the risk and according a bit actively manage it okay. it's not that one role will suit in all market environments all sorts of conditions so you guys are transitioning to elgo as i hear that uh, is the intraday part of it uh, talk us uh, through that uh, what's so other the strategies besides covered call <coughs> where you are trying to do optimization sure first let's just discuss those strategies at all so besides covered call what else what else are you doing in your option portfolio so uh, as we said that uh, for covered calls whatever margin we have half of that margin is deployed uh, given that we are not taking leverage out there yeah so the remaining margin is available for us to do other things and uh, broadly the underlying is uh, on those initially there were only two indices nifty and bank nifty but lately another index has also come into play called fin nifty so there the broad idea is uh, on a monthly basis we want to make profits uh, we should not have a negative <coughs> month sure. so that's a broad broad construct and within those construct uh, we are working experimenting with strategies where we say that the minimum threshold of returns that we can generate on those strategies on a monthly basis is like between 1.5 to 2% and uh, uh, let's put it one and a half percent. We are happier if it's more than two percent, but minimum one and a half percent. So any strategy which has acceptable drawdowns and is generating more than one and a half percent, we would want to to scale it up. Okay. Provided the risks are in control. So uh, any example you can share? Any strategy you would want to share? So uh, again, so ratios. Or you can share the one which has lost the edge. Uh, it worked for no, no. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, one is that uh, these are discretionary strategies. So, sure. again, uh, so it depends thought. on. Underlying what are so, you ratios, yeah, you, you buy one uh, uh, a closer strike uh, call and you sell uh, farther strike out in a ratio. It could be 1 is to 2, it could be 1 is to 3, hmm. or closer to expiry, it could be 1 is to 5 also. So, hmm. all those kind of ratios do make money but it requires a lot of active management and different regimes uh, will require different ways of managing it. Uh, we actively used to do these ratios both on the call side and the put side with bank nifty but as the IVs have fallen. See another uh, issue with the options is <coughs> that uh, the returns are a function of the volatility in the market. Absolutely. So as the volatility starts going down <coughs> the returns will start going down. <coughs> So, so uh, what we have realized is certain strategies work better in, uh, when the volatility is higher and uh, they don't work so well in the market. So what we are trying to build is a portfolio of strategies. And try to classify these strategies that this will work better in high wall regimes, this will work better in low wall regimes and uh, then mix and match as per what our reading on the regime is. How are you going about quantification of the regime itself? IVs, so, uh, IVs are uh, currently like uh, the India VIX is at uh, between 13 to 14. So how lo how so, bad dated number you look at, or you just worry about so the instant? Number? In March 22, it hit 82. Yeah. Okay. And typically, if you look at the the mean values, are in the range of 13 to 15 only. Sure. But since March 2020, till uh, till six months back, it has been above 20. So I would call that the high wall regime sure. and what has happened over the last 3-4 months is from 20 it's continued to fall down to 13 where it is today. So so, so, so it's a very objective benchmark to, to, to try to understand. Uh, uh, it clearly tells us the individual stocks of uh, options 
are not linked to that it's more linked to what is happening in that stock mm. but broadly they there the premiums are also driven by overall overall premiums are driven by where the the iv india india vix is moving sure correct yeah the straddle price will give away the uh, volatility correct so so uh, what we have realized is that high higher uh, vols will generate higher returns that's so that's the people are good at managing risk higher vol will give them ability <coughs> to get better returns and mm. people who cannot manage their risk or position size they may have large losses also because obviously they are equal losers whenever there is a winner true so yeah so you were telling us about the transition now moving into the algorithm of yeah, the intraday so basically one of the downside of doing these discretionary weekly strategies is, is it takes away a lot of your time bandwidth and because something which is discretionary it is difficult to outsource or scale also sure i mean if there something is more systematic it is easier to train a dealer who can trade for you but something more discretionary you have to be always on top of it in terms of risk management and looking at it so which becomes also a challenge to scale beyond a point unless you are committed to giving your entire time and attention to that strategy so oh, i think that is also a realization after spending a lot of time in option trading over the last two years it came on to us that this is not something which is sustainable for us for a very long time that this is not how we would want to spend most of our time you know active time during the markets managing option positions so this prompted us to look at what are the other alternatives available and algorithmic trading i mean uh, on non directional algorithmic trading seems to be something which suits our requirements you know it can uh, we can design the algorithm we can back test it we can see how the performance has been in the past and if it meets our bench you know thresholds we can slowly start deploying it that was the thought behind it and we started this project almost a year back and gradually it has done all right i think we have developed a bouquet of strategies all these are non directional strategies so basically we are not taking any view on the whether the market will go up or down and uh, a lot of these algorithmic strategies are also intraday so our compute uh, the algorithmic stake strategies during the day and by the time you know by the end 3:15 3:20 everything is covered okay. so and uh, the draw the risk is measured by the drawdowns historically what the back test has shown and uh, we haven't had a long operating history till now hmm. uh, even though we have back tested it for 4 5 years but the operating history is only around 9 months and uh, out of that only 4 5 months at a bit of a scale uh, in the earlier few months was also at a very preliminary stage a small testing stage life so till now the drawdown has been uh, you know very reasonable it is lower but it is not a long operating history so what about the backtest history what has been the back drawdown test? there backtest for the model that we have it shows us the worst case drawdown uh, historical drawdown of 3 and 1/2% and and this backtest is done on what data minute by minute data one one minute so so Okay. what we have realized is that uh, the on a strategy basis uh, the drawdowns might be higher but when you combine uncorrelated strategy yeah. the portfolio level drawdowns definitely go down <coughs> so at a portfolio level with a 3% drawdown what are the return expectations in the back test so the back test says in the range of around 40% but uh, we'll see over time it was also a lot a large part of that was in a high vol regime so sure. the returns could have also been higher 
but our threshold is 18%, right? If anything is above 18%, we are happy to give it a try. So, we continue to explore further if it's more than 18, if it, the returns are not even 18%, then, it is then, then we'll just abandon it. Okay. So, till now, we have been able to do better than that, I think. Uh, and, and this part you're going to completely automate. So, there is no... It is automated. It is automated. We aspire automated. to automate, uh, fully automate. Uh, so, again... As, as we said, at, at our heart, we are investors. What happened is over the last three years, the time that we devoted to trading options was so high that the other part suffered. So we, we want to go back to, to our core uh, research. For that, we need to pull out time. And automation is the tool which will allow us to do that. So, so that's what our aspiration is, that ultimately automation for the intraday strategies, automation takes over. <coughs> Actually, you know, um, and in many conversations in the past, you have yeah. always said that majority of the investors don't do what we are doing, right? Yeah. That has been a pet peeve of yours. And you said that most of the people should look at this side of the world. What will be your suggestion to somebody who is 100% investor today? What is the first thing he should start exploring into if at all he wants to, you know, so, evaluate this side? See, uh, uh, my experience has been, uh, uh, it's been almost uh, how much now? 24 years of investing now for me. And uh, for a large part, I have been purely an investor. And uh, my evolution, ha thought process has evolved. My entire network, uh, the philosophy has evolved around that. And it's only in the last five, six years that I have experimented on the options in a big way. Earlier, it was all experimental to say. And what I've realized is that uh, while learning about options, we thought that there's a lot to be learned. And we reached out uh, to other people who traded options. Uh, we actually attended seminars. We attended or we networked with people who were we thought were good and big traders. Uh, and what we, uh, a very interesting dichotomy came up, uh, which was if I speak to my investor friends, they just want to say that uh, options are an absolute no-no. Uh, for most of them, they are weapons of mass destruction. That's the best way to, to kind of explode your portfolio. And this is across the board, uh, the feedback that I get. And uh, then on the other side, when we speak to all these uh, traders who are doing really well, and I think they are really good traders, but the one thing missing in most of them is this concept of compounding. They feel that uh, for them, if they are running a one crore book and say maybe in a year they are earning 30, 40 lakhs on it. So which are pretty good returns by that. But what will happen at the end of the year, they will take that 30 lakhs out ki, with the philosophy that I am risky work, I will keep safe, they will put it in FD and they will not compound their trading book. So, Traders don't understand the power of compounding, whereas investors uh, who can actually improve their compounding by getting into this uh, are strictly just wanting to stay away. And uh, my thing is that uh, obviously trading is not for everyone, but it's at least explore these aspects as we have explored and learned that some of the things really fit. In option trading, people do very risky trades do all kind of all kind of blowouts happen but we have evolved from that to learn the things that suit our personality and our ability to take drawdowns and so many people i've talked to felt that sooner or later my account is going to blow up sure and i've been warned 
adequately over the last <laughs> decade and uh, and initially i used to get calls when there was a sharp gap down theek hai na tu so and uh, i had to explain ki yaar loss hai but nothing out of ordinary sure right so so people have to look at some of these listed companies there are very clear examples how scalable this business is and you know people are even these listed companies they are taking leverage on their equity mm. to you know to juice up their returns and even on an equity base of 4 500 crores they are doing an roe of upwards of 40% roe consistently for many years mm. so there is something there to be exported there is something there to be learned i think so, so let's say somebody is convinced and he wants to start what do you suggest what do you suggest to somebody who is saying okay whatever god is saying makes sense I want so to do I, it. What I, do I do? Yeah, I I think one of the key things is uh, I don't want to encourage retail guys to think about options. Sure. There is a certain minimum size before you even can think about it because one of the biggest aspect of managing your risk is diversification, and below a certain size you just can't diversify. Like a covered call portfolio, if the way the way we are doing is it's uh, spread across between twenty to twenty five stocks. and each contract itself is worth uh, 5 lakhs easily and then uh, we we are doing multiples of one contract uh, in in the least possible size because we want to partially hedge partially <coughs> adjust those partial concepts will go away if you only have one contract sure sure so right. so those kind of portfolios would require at least pools of 2 2 crore plus in order to start even thinking about these aspects sure so definitely what we are doing is not for the retail guys out there 2 crore of option book 2 crores of a book uh, on the option on side of and and people Obviously. might purely do options they might purely do uh, the other part but it requires a certain size sure otherwise my take is it's just not even worth it fair so enough. so all the effort it requires matlab uh, wo, wo basically As said, keep swinging. हम तो मजदूरी करते हैं. So it requires a lot of cognitive overload and and the actual effort that goes into monitoring all your exposures, and and the evolution from uh, there, which we are trying to do, is into automation. It's an evolution. It won't happen overnight. Sure. So so a certain amount of minimum capital is there. A certain amount of respect for risk has to be there before you even think about getting at it. so what we are talking about is definitely not for the retail guys one of it we are talking about this that this is for people who one have crossed the certain threshold in terms of the size and second understand risk or have chosen to become full time investors sure so this is option trading definitely is not there for part time investors or traders <clears throat> that part i can uh, clearly say the way we do it it's not a part time job sure said so you want to add to it i think you have summarized it very well but i think uh, what to do still still pending for somebody who has the capital so who wants to explore is, this what is to to have this belief so so uh, we are live examples i think uh, option trading ha- uh, now that we have a broad framework in mind i think option trading itself will add uh, a few percentage points to our overall returns on a on a 10 20 year basis I believe that now. Sure. And uh, if that realization was there ten, fifteen years back, it would have been a lot better. Uh, do we think that these returns will go down? Yes, we do. Uh, 
But the, the peculiarity about the Indian market is that uh, what happens in the US uh, for option trading, you get margin. Either you give cash mm. or in order to get margin, if you give your stocks to that is acts as a collateral. Mm. But any margin you get on for that collateral, you have to pay an interest on it. In India, what has happened, the regime we are in, that your stocks can get a collateral for which there is no interest. So, so stock will give you margins which for there is no interest. I, I don't think this this part of the conversation should be published because they'll get an idea to take this privilege away. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So, so but there are peculiarities in the and and there is another peculiarity which initially got us into these weekly option trading. India had this concept of STT, which was at a gross level for the buyer at the day of expiry and yeah, uh, yeah. at 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 the premium level for the seller. And so what this created was such a huge arbitrage yeah. that buyers had to buy. They can't leave their contract uh, uh, open. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have to pay the STT on the on the gross value, yeah. not yeah. on the premium value. Yeah. So, so uh, just to g give you a case in point, say the index is at eighteen thousand, okay, and uh, eighteen thousand ten, and uh, basically, on the day of expiry, uh, the uh, the contract will expire at eighteen thousand one. Yeah. Sure. So those nine nine points <coughs> are three. there, uh, even though the settlement is at eighteen thousand points. Yeah. Before expiry, uh, the option uh, buyers are willing to to even uh, sell back the option again at one rupee. Yeah, Prashant Malik actually told me about this arbitrage back then and I was like, how is this free lunch available for the writers? It was taken yeah. away. We were too yeah. late into the story. <laughs> we, we were only, it, I think it was there for six months yeah, once we first realized it was there. So. so yeah, but we were not. The lunch was for a bit longer. We didn't know. But then had, we known, had we known we about know that. Today, it would have been a very different. It was, it, it. We could have made so much of additional money. So, so there are these unique places. See, as as an investor or a trader, your job is to look for market inefficiencies. Sure. And you know, point is, more stones you turn, you uh, that is where you'll find the efficiencies. So, have an open mind, have an open outlook, and don't think this is kosher, this is kafir, or in those terms. <laughs> uh, ultimately, we all are there to make money, and uh, to okay. say this is. This is not the Graham way of doing things. Uh, this is not the right way of doing things. This is that, that where I feel that uh, we should not have these silos about investing. The market regimes change. Uh, what used to make money earlier does not lay, make money. And a lot of people are kind of fascinated by this aspect of the early Dalal Street veterans who made money, uh, who started out in the 80s and then made money in the 90s and now are big shots now. But the market was very different now. That thing just cannot be replicated now. Right. If that realization is not set in, then there is always going to be a big level of frustration that where is my 100 bagger? Why hasn't that come to me? That's a good message to end the conversation on I, Actually, before even ending, I would want you to give some resources people can go to, refer to, learn from, 
uh, which are more practical in nature rather than conceptual. Said you want to take a shot, maybe I'll act to it. So I think Zerodha does a good shot at it. The Euro Zerodha vers versity. Yeah, they have conceptual. a lot of yeah. modules. They sure. theoretically explain a lot of things. And uh, to learn a little bit more about strategies, I think there is a channel called Tasty Trade from US where they talk about a lot of strategies and they discuss a performance of lot lot of those strategies in the US context that how these strategies has performed. They do very detailed backtesting, and they try to explain a lot of these trades as well as those strategies. So that is also an interesting place to you know get some sense of what kind of strategies are working globally, and you know and get some data around that. Then in Indian context, I think uh, Vivek Bajaj, he runs a face-to-face -face series where he interviews a lot of traders and a lot of them are systematic option <coughs> traders who come and talk about their strategies. Mm. So even though those strategies, I would say those strategies could be a starting point to think about what all are the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And you know, you obviously need to fine tune it and think a little bit more, how can you make it better? But it's a good starting point, uh, listening through a lot of those interviews. Could you give you a feel of lay of the land? Like what are the different kind of things people are going about? And you know, someone I'm assuming who is coming to there for an interview has been trading that style for some time and has made some money. So it is worth, uh, you know, you will get some sense of, you know, what people are doing. Sure. And then from those, you can try to see what suits your, you know, uh, appetite or your interest and take it from there any book recommendations yeah, so eugene sinclair uh, I, I don't remember the name of the company but uh, the book eugene sinclair has a nice book which can uh, serve as, as, as a starting point but it has a lot of technical see when i started out trading there were so many terms when i watched videos i did not understand those terms so what is a butterfly or a straddle or a strangle or a jade lizard. So these are these exotic terms that come at you and you don't realize. I think a better way for a starter to is to start with Zerodha Vasti where, where they have contextualized that knowledge to the Indian context. There, uh, there are many terms on options, but they are too technical in nature for, uh, for people to, to, to try to complete it. They are quite technical in that aspect. And most of the approaches talk about the Greeks of options. And our approach has largely been devoid of trading option uh, of trading options based on Greeks. Greeks. So, and, and in terms of additional resource, there there's some very good traders out there. Uh, and uh, one guy uh, that I'm really impressed with lately has been a person called Bandi Shreyas. Okay. He's based out of Bangalore. And he largely trades strangles on indices. But the good part is, He's documented his live trading for a, for almost a year sure. where he talks about his risk management. He talks about why he does things the way he does. And he's very articulate. He's very honest and always responds to queries. I think it's a great learning resource. It will take a lot of time to understand what all he's trying to do, but it's, it's a good starting point. Sure. So I, I guess that kind of sums it up. <coughs> yeah, great. Sure. So, any other questions, Manish? No, that's it. A lot, lot many more time. questions. I think we'll go into the practical aspects of. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so this is <coughs> there's no holy grail here. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the point is, what made us money two years back is no longer making us money. I, so I think one another resource which I would like to add is the presentation you guys gave at the CFA one. Whenever, whenever it is out, it's not out. I think right yeah. now, 
but that was also because you did share a couple of examples on the covered calls yeah yeah so with, because yeah. we we made presentations and we talked about yeah. some of those strategies so so yeah it it basically talks a bit about our philosophy at this point of time in totality yeah maybe you guys can start the tasty trade of india <laughs> yeah, guys, you guys need to do that you call among other guests we'll join you guys <laughs> so, it was it was great yeah great conversation once again yeah, uh, yeah. thanks yeah. thanks a lot for uh, sparing time uh, as i told you we always experiment new formats with you so we are doing the video yeah, yeah. experiment yeah, with thanks, you only thanks for uh, hosting <laughs> us and uh, it was a pleasure talking to yeah. you guys and and and, and thanks dad for joining after a lot of <laughs> you you should join more often it a lot of value add for uh, for yeah yeah so so yeah. siddharth i would call a hidden gem that there's many things that uh, he he understands much better than many other experienced guys i know okay. yeah it's good that he joined in today he was yeah. just shying away i don't know why but this was good <laughs> great man perfect chalo thanks thanks a lot thank you this audio podcast is for general information purpose only and contains the personal views of the spokespersons do not construe this as an investment advice listeners before acting on any information should make their own investigation and seek appropriate professional investment advice before doing so Any sectors, stocks or issuers mentioned do not constitute any recommendation and DSP Investment Managers Private Limited the AMC may or may not have any future positions in these while utmost care has been exercised the spokespersons or the AMC do not warrant completeness or accuracy of the information and disclaim any liabilities losses or damages arising out of the use of this information past performance may or may not sustain in the future and should not be used as a basis for comparison with other investments Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme related documents carefully.